On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks pick up a fourth consecutive victory and do so in impressive fashion, erasing a halftime deficit and really, truly dominating, honestly, in the second half against the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll get into this game and much more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1582 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday. And today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account. Use promo code Locked NBA for $20 off your first purchase with GameTime. And also, I want to encourage you, as always, on the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across the board on your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Apple or Spotify. We're also on YouTube on the video side. And I should plug as well a two-part episode that did was a fantastic discussion with my friend Glenn Willis on Thursday and Friday. Still very relevant right now. Big picture stuff about the Hawks, observations from the early season, etc. And a great time to subscribe to this podcast. And with all that said, we'll dive in now to what became a very nice win for the Hawks on the road, 123-105 to in New Orleans on this Saturday. Their fourth consecutive win. They start off a three-game road trip on a very high note and uh, do so in really impressive fashion after halftime. In fact, they were down by seven at the half, down as many as 10 in this game. Then they had a 24 to six run in the third quarter to break things open. And they actually won the second half of this game by a 70 to 45 margin against a good team. The Pelicans, when relatively healthy, are a good team and did, did, did all this stuff on the road. And uh, yeah, very, very impressive stuff from this Hawks team. And we'll kind of zoom out a little bit here at the top of the podcast and just say like all kinds of takeaways and really the offense is what led the way for the Hawks, both in the full game and especially in the second half. They end up with a 129 offensive rating in this game, despite a pretty shaky first half across the board. And they didn't, and actually, this is probably the most impressive part about this. The Hawks did not shoot the ball incredibly well. They shot the ball just fine, but nothing like that you would be blown away by. 40% from the floor, 14 to 41 from three. Again, acceptable, like, you know, league average or maybe even slightly better than that shooting. And at the free throw line, they were 19 and 24. Just like nothing blew you away, but they were so good in all the other areas. So they had a 44% offensive rebound rate in this game. If you're not familiar with that, basically that means they grabbed that percentage of available offensive rebound. That was the 99th percentile in that in that category that led to 24 second chance points in this game. And as I'm prone to point out on this podcast, they won the possession battle, which basically means they had more opportunities to shoot than the opponent. They took nine more shots than the Pelicans, they made, and they also took three more free throws than the Pelicans, which means even if you shoot the same percentage, you're going to win. You shoot a little bit less percentage than your opponent, you're going to win if you take that, that many more shots than your opponent. And that's not a small thing. So great work from a lot of different guys on offensive glass in this game. In fact, every single guy who played at least four minutes for the Hawks had a offensive rebound, and everyone but Hunter had at least two. So it was like some sometimes Capella just dominates in that, in that category. He's, he's great at that, but he had two. Johnson had two. Trey had three. DeJounte had two. McConnell had two. Bay had four, and Bogdanovich had three. It was a team effort. They were playing very aggressively and very, very well. And as I noted before, the second half of this game was kind of just a good example of the Hawks' offense and how good it can be when it is rocking and rolling the way that it was. We'll talk about some of the adjustments later on in the podcast, but I thought Quinn Snyder did a very, very good job kind of tweaking things to a- approach this game after halftime, after, a, again, a pretty so-so first half on offense. But after halftime, the numbers were as follows. They scored 70 points, which is good in any context, but on 44 possessions. This is actually a very slow-paced game 
for a game that ended up with the Hawks having 120, 123 points in this game. But again, just to do the math on that, 70 points on 44 possessions is the equivalent of a 159 offensive rating. That is absolutely ludicrous. Like league best is going to be like in the 117, 118 range. 159 for the Hawks after halftime. They shot 59% from the floor. They were 9-19 from three. 13-15 at the line after halftime. 16 assists and four turnovers. Those are all incredibly good numbers. Plus offensive rebounding. Plus they had five guys with at least 11 points in the second half alone. Trey Young, um, after some really, you know, some really not great shooting. I think Trey has played has played better than his shooting numbers indicate to this point in the season. But through the first five and a half games of the year, he had not been making shots. In the second half of this game, he found his efficiency. Also at 16 points, six assists after halftime. He's very, very good. And he was not alone. He was, again, far from alone. I thought Trey was probably the number one catalyst after halftime. And look, big picture, this is the fifth straight game where the Hawks had at least six guys in double figures. The third time this season already in the first six games, the Hawks have had at least seven guys in double figures. That's, that's incredibly balanced and impressive. And by the way, the eighth guy, DeAndre Hunter, got injured in this game, came back in, was a real factor defensively despite only taking three shots from the field. He garnered real praise from Quinn Snyder after the game, talking about how he wanted folks that were covering the game to leave with Hunter, uh, kind of talk about him on the front page. And I agree. I think Hunter played well. He was the only guy that didn't have big counting stats, but that just kind of points to how well the Hawks played in the second half of this contest. Uh, defensively, they were not as good on defense as they were on offense in this game, but certainly a lot to point to in a positive direction. As they were scoring on every possession basically after halftime, they also held the Pelicans to 45 points on 44 possessions, which is just basically one point per possession, and that is great defense in the NBA. Uh, ended up with a 110 defensive rating in the game. That is totally solid. It's not great, but it's not bad either. The Pelicans didn't shoot well from three, which always helps, but that is not a good shooting team overall. In the Orleans, that's probably their biggest weakness on offense. It's just a lack of spacing, especially with no Trey Murphy, no Jose Alvarado, who are both out for this game. So they did a good job kind of packing paint for the most part against the Orleans, especially after the first half was concerned. The Orleans did have Brent Ingram back in this game after he missed three games in a row, and he was fine, but they did actually contain Zion reasonably well for most of the game. They rebounded very well, of course, defensively and offensively in this game. And the Hawks didn't really force a lot of turnovers. That's kind of the only weakness that they did that they had defensively in this game, but that was uh, more than enough. So certainly an offense-first win in a lot of ways, but the offense was truly magnificent after halftime. But defensively, they also stiffened, and that also led to the offense being better after halftime. Like once you're not taking the ball out of the net every time, it is very much easier to score as anyone on any team or any coaching staff will tell you it is easier to score when you get stops and they, they're not totally independent ent entities. And uh, I think defensively them being better after halftime, holding the Pelicans to 45 points and doing a good job on the, on the whole helped to lead to the offensive success. So all that said, a very impressive performance. The Hawks were underdogs in this game. Our friends at FanDuel had the Hawks at plus two coming in. Not a huge spread by any means. You know, these teams are pretty similar on paper, in my opinion, at least the opinions of most bookmakers. Basically, a plus two means these teams are pretty comparable, and then the Pelicans get two points for home court advantage. Um, I have to at least say one more thing here before we dive into the actual meat of this game. And there's a bit of unfortunate news. And I, I want to touch on that a little bit early in the podcast so people don't miss it at the end of the show. But Kobe Bufkin suffered an injury in the last couple of days that's worth monitoring. Obviously, Bufkin is the first round pick of the Hawks from last season. Uh, he's not played in rotation this year, which is not a huge surprise to anyone paying attention over the summer. But long story short, he and Muhammad Gay were sent to College Park to practice with the Skyhawks on Thursday when the Hawks had an off day. That's a very typical thing with the Hawks or another team to have to basically be doing with, with their G League team so close together. There's nothing weird about that. The Hawks do it all the time. But unfortunately, Buffing got hurt in that practice on Thursday. He'll be out for a while. It's actually an injury to his left, which is also a shooting hand, his left shooting thumb. 
And after an extra run, he has a fracture in that thumb. The Hawks said he'll officially be reevaluated in two weeks, by the way. I say this always with injury timelines, but if you're, if you're a new listener to the podcast, reevaluation does not mean return. So basically, the Hawks say their next update will be in two weeks, basically. Reevaluation at that point in time. So it'll be at least that long that he is out. And if you look at the sort of the history of this kind of injury uh, on a shooting thumb, my educated guess is that it's going to be longer than that. Obviously, we don't, we don't know exactly when, but uh, he did travel with the team to New Orleans. Presumably, he'll go to Oklahoma City and Mexico City on this trip with the Hawks. But uh, unfortunate there. Obviously, again, not, not a huge impact to the team right now today, but Buffkin long term is a key piece of, this, of, of the roster. First round pick, a guy I like a lot and uh, not great. They, they won't be able to kind of basically shoot for a while. He can stay in shape, obviously, since he's not – it's not a lower body injury. That's that's a positive in a lot of ways, but still um, not not a great uh, sign for Kobe early in the year and uh, kind of had a, a slight damper on things uh, in between victories for the Hawks uh, back to Thursday and then you – know, actually, sorry, back to Wednesday night and then their win today. We found out that in the middle of that. But other than that, it was really a, a very positive day, a really positive day. So we'll dive in, as we always do. If you're a new listener to the podcast, what we do on this podcast is lead with sort of the takeaways, the broad observations – and the notes from the contest, then we sort of dive in to the more game flow, uh, nuts and bolts kind of stuff, how the game unfolded, and uh, kind of my observations in real time. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about the player-by-player evaluations, breaking down all the guys who appeared in this contest. But before we get to all of that, and we're from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry when you're buying tickets to a big event. And with Game Time, you actually never have to worry. They have last-minute deals and tickets for football or basketball or baseball or concerts or comedy, theater, and more. It's incredibly easy to navigate Game Time app to find and buy tickets for any event in your area. They have zone deals as well. Pick the section and get them to actually pick these, the seats for you for an average of 18% savings. And at Game Time, you can see the view for all the seats in the venue that you're looking for. It helps you to know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue. They have all-in pricing at Game Time as well. You will know your total upfront without any of the hidden fees that some other places happen to have and that really frustrate people. I know they frustrate me. And you also have peace of mind with Game Time as well. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best possible price with Game Time, which is hugely valuable. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets by using Game Time right now. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, you can create an account and redeem the promo code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, we'll dive into the game now. And uh, early on, kind of a lot, a lot of cross-matching. It's something that Glenn and I talked about at the end of the podcast on Thursday into Friday. It's an interesting matchup in a lot of ways. Now, uh, I should mention this at the top of this. Jalen Johnson started in this game, third time in six games. Not a huge coincidence to me because uh, the three games that he started at the power forward spot, independent of all of the Hawks fans who want him to start all the time, and I totally get that because his, his ceiling is very, very evident and very high. But the three times he started this year were against the teams that deploy Giannis at the four, Kofi Towns at the four, and Zion at the four. To me, and Quinn's not saying anything specifically about this, but it's pretty easy to see now that they're playing Jalen with the starters when they have a matchup that dictates that defensively, when they, when they don't want to have Bay guard one of those guys. Now, obviously, um, you know, Giannis and Towns and Zion at the four spot are three of the probably five or six best off, best and most difficult to defend offensive options at that position in the entire league. And they played them in the first six games of the season. So that's, that's notable to me, but anyway, I mean, we'll come back to it later on, but the Hawks did, did not play very well with the first uh, with, with starters early on in this game, but the starting lineup all ended up with plus 13 or better in this contest. And Jalen played extremely well in this game. So it obviously worked. Um, no, I don't know whether they'll go back to that lineup again in the future um, with regard to maybe even Monday against Oklahoma city, but for now, that was a change that uh, we got a lot of questions about early on in this contest. 
Anyway, cross matches across the board. Uh, Jalen had Zion, Hunter on Ingram. Uh, Trey was actually guarding McCollum, and then they had Herb Jones on Trey on the other end of the floor. Not a huge surprise there. Uh, Trey was not good in the first half. A uh, couple, couple blown uh, kind of layups in the early going. Was technical, technical foul free throw. Um, the Hawks did, though, I think, attack the rim pretty effectively um, in the early going, which certainly was good process and kind of like a good indicator of what was to come. Uh, there was a couple of rough turnovers, though, in the first half. Hunter threw a bounce pass that my friend Bob Rathman of Valley Sports Southeast described as being, quote, to nowhere, which I laughed about, but it's 100% true. That led to a dunk by the Pelicans in tradition. Defensively, a little bit rough as well in the early going. The Hawks were trailing um, for, the, for the meat of the first half. Not the entire first half, but certainly the most of it. Um, rotationally, no huge surprises um, as far as like how the first eight guys were deployed. But I'll stop here and just note that DeAndre Hunter, as I sort of referenced briefly earlier, suffered a right pinky injury with about seven minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, he turned it over in traffic and was immediately holding his hand and basically went straight to the locker room. Like, it looked pretty bad, honestly. They had to get off, off, off the bench in a hurry and come into the game. Hunter did come back in about 10 minutes later. The Hawks said officially it is a right pinky finger dislocation. Now, the fact that he came back in is a good sign. No question about that. I, I do suspect that we will probably see an MRI or some further testing on that. Um, we'll see on that. You know, Again, the fact that he came in is a positive indicator, and Quinn was praising him after the game. I thought he played well, despite not a huge offensive game in this one. But circle that in advance of Monday. I don't know if he's going to be available or not. But the fact that he, again, the fact that he returned is a positive sign. Um, the other, the sort of only change, other than the injury to Hunter, was that Garrison Matthews actually made his first rotation appearance of the season for the Hawks. He played the three minutes, sorry, about three and a half, four minutes um, after Trey uh, came out of the game. Sorry, what, what, when he, he came back in with Trey when Trey came back for DJ, which is basically the spot that AJ Griffin's been playing in. Now, AJ has been, we chronicle this a lot on the podcast, AJ's not been playing all the time. He's been playing at least one stint in every game, sometimes two, but it's that he's kind of very clearly the ninth man. But in this game, it was Garrison Matthews. Griffin got a DNPCD, which was a surprise, to be sure. I was not utterly shocked by that. Um, I would have guessed if that uh, if it was more likely for that to happen with Wes Matthews, but obviously Wes Matthews is not available right now. He's still injured. So, uh, look, I, saw, I thought Garrison Matthews was pretty much a non-factor. He played four minutes, didn't take a shot, uh, had a foul, minus six in his four minutes. But um, it's more about AJ not playing. I know Hawks fans don't love that. I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I personally would just like to see AJ out there and playing. That isn't to say that Garrison Matthews is not a useful player because he is one. But I think that if you're trying to, you know, I'm not sure what the thinking there is. I, I've, I've been kind of trying to think about why you might try Garrison, maybe just to see how he's looking. But um, at the expense of AJ, it's not, it's not my favorite thing in the world. So uh, I think that if I had to guess, AJ will be, will be playing again in the near future. But um, I don't know at this point. And obviously the vibes are good. They've won four games in a row. So um, not as much outrage in my mentions as I probably would have expected with AJ not playing. But um, I will circle that for sure and come back to it um, in advance of Monday's game against the Thunder. Um, the Hawks did have one nice run in the first quarter when Jalen had a nice drive and finish. Bay, Bay made a three. Actually, Bogey had a great defensive play on Zion at the rim, which is wild to see. Bogey actually struggled early with his shot and then played much better after that. Um, Bay actually had 10 points on perfect shooting in his first six minutes of play. And then actually, I believe he was like two of his last 10 from the floor or something like that. Um, he cooled off a lot, but he was very good early on as, as far as making shots was concerned. Trey had a slow start. Um, offensively, they had a slow start across the board. Um, Bowie had a big run early in the second quarter, actually. Made his, had the first eight points of the quarter for the Hawks, hit two threes, had a nice steal and a dunk early on. I thought a Kongwu um, played well, especially I've noted this against Valanchunas. 
Um, I've said this before, but Valanciunas has been a guy who's given Okongwu a lot of fits. And, and just physical size-wise, Valanciunas is massive. But I thought Okongwu played well against him in particular, had one nice rep in the second quarter that I noticed on, on, on a block shot. So a good step for, forward for him against a, a tough matchup. Um, Locks had a nice run, 11-2 early on in the second to take the lead actually briefly for a time. Capella had a couple of nice denials at the rim on Zion. Um, a pretty maddening sequence, actually. It was second quarter. My friend Tower Jones pointed this out as well. The Hawks had a potential eight-point swing on two plays where Zion kind of failed to get back on defense, basically, and the Hawks had five-on-fours. And both times, Murray did not convert on the five-on-four, and that led to a run-out Zion dunk because Zion, you know, not, not I guess not to his credit, didn't get back on defense. It kind of worked out for them. So it was a literally an eight-point swing, and the Hawks were down seven at the half. So it was like kind of funny to see that uh, kind of being at least part of the difference in the first half of this game. There was a beautiful possession, I thought, that I went, at least something to note out of a timeout where they set up Jalen to uh, uh, after a pass from Trey on the short roll. So Jalen in the short roll finds Capella for a dunk, and then Capella had a nice block on Zion, another, another huge block on Zion. But a few minutes later, I thought he was great in that sequence. Um, but yeah, they ended up closing with Bay and Johnson together after Hunter got his third foul. But not a whole lot else to add. I said it before, but the Hawks were really rough offensively. Aside from the bogey hot streak in the second quarter, the offense was pretty brutal, actually, before halftime. 522 for three, nine turnovers. They didn't rebound the ball well the entire game. But Trey, as I, said, as I said before briefly, he had been really bad through five and a half games. In fact, he was 31 of 97 from the field in the first five and a half games. And yes, as I said many times, field goal percentage is not the way to really evaluate Trey. But there's still a certain break-even point where you got to get to. He's obviously not been that so far this year. He was awesome in the second half, but at least worth noting. Uh, and, yeah, we'll move on to the second half now. So I said it before, but the Hawks were really, again, I don't want to overuse the word, but they were really dominant after halftime. They, they really were. Um, it was it, They were down by 10 right away, and then they had 11-2 run. Get back within one. Capella had a couple of uh, easy buckets. Jalen Johnson had a confident three, I thought. I thought he played very well both into the floor, Jalen. Under control, crucially. He had a great contest against Zion in the third quarter to force a missed shot. I thought Clint was great in the entire second half as well. Um, after Trey and DJ started 0 of 8 from 3, Trey and DJ, both they were actually both very productive at three-point range after halftime. So they were 0 of 8 to start, and then they finished five of their last eight. So that's very, very helpful when, you're, when your guards make shots. Um, the Hawks had a 24-6 run in the third quarter to go from down one up 17, and that was essentially the biggest swing of the game. Four threes in that stretch from two from Trey and then one from Murray, one from Hunter. Trey was awesome in the third, 11.3 assists in nine minutes. He played a little bit longer than usual. The Hawks scored 31 points in nine minutes. Made five threes. They were cooking. Process-wise, I think I, I sort of teased this earlier, but um, Quinn changed some things visibly on film after halftime to counter all the pressure. Trey was getting blitzed a lot in the first half. Uh, they started using Jalen a little bit more as a short roll guy. They put their shooters on the floor a little bit further down in the corners to create some more space. They even like hit Capella in the corner at one point, which I liked. Um, New Orleans also had to kind of protect Zion, it seemed like. It's actually another Glenn Willis pointed out that Zion had four fouls pretty early in the third quarter, and they were trying to hide him. That did not work out very well for them. So a combination of some poor defense for sure, but I thought Quinn designed a lot of good schematic changes, and the Hawks just played fantastically on offense, starting then and the entire second half, really. They did have one hiccup late in the third quarter when Jordan Hawkins made back-to-back -back threes for the Pelicans off the bench. And, but other than that, it was pretty dominant. Again, they scored 1.7 points per possession in the third quarter. Awesome stuff. Um, in the fourth, Okongwu hit back-to-back -back threes. Just want to throw that out there. Same spot, actually, on the floor. It was his first and second threes of the season. 
Number five, number six in his career, actually, for Hung. There'll be more of those in the future, though. That was a fun, that was a fun sequence. There was one grab-and-go play by Joe Johnson, the length of the floor for a lot of Kongwu that was an sort of awe-inspiring play, and then a huge lob that he caught above the rim to draw a foul. I thought Hunter actually had a great defensive play on Zion, but I know Bally Sports shared over there, uh, Kevin Shard shared that uh, that clip. Um, he blocked him at the rim, which is no small feat in itself, and then he kept it in bounds and got the possession back for the Hawks. Um, the Pelicans did go small, which was probably smart. But when they did that, the Hawks actually had Capella guarding Herb Jones, which is smart. I mean, it's not like a, a, a hugely innovative tactic, but basically put your center on, on the worst shooter. He sags off to help. He had a great possession where I think he was flying around to force a shot clock violation, and uh, he was great in the second half again. But then, look, down the stretch, the Hawks are actually up 11 with like five minutes to go. They were up by double digits the whole fourth quarter, but it wasn't like over, over. And then there was a huge sequence from Trey and DeJounte. So DeJounte, after a rough start with his mid-ranger in this game, hit a couple of really tough like 12, 14-footers that were contested, just like you know pro star-level shots that he made. And the Pelicans were scoring, but then Trey hit a huge three with about three and a half minutes to go, an off-ball catch-and-shoot three for good measure. And that put the Hawks were up by up by 13 points to kind of mostly end the game. And then Trey found Capella for a dagger, dagger-ish layup to go by, up by 15. There was one bad turn by Trey, like two minutes to go, but they really did not do any of the stuff that they did against Washington on Wednesday. So I poked fun at them on Wednesday for like not collapsing as they won the game, but like they were really rough down the stretch against the Wizards. None of that today, other than the one bad pick, pick six by Trey. They were really kind of dialed in. They put the game away against a good team and were never really threatened again. They were up by double digits the entire second half. No, sorry, entire fourth quarter. Um, most of the last like 16, 17 minutes of this game. So just taking care of business and a very, very impressive performance across the board for this Hawks team. And again, offensively, which is really a juggernaut after halftime. That shows how good this team can be on offense. And that's been the theme for a long time. This is this is a potentially top three, top five offense in the league. They kind of have to get there to get where, get where they want to go. But right now, this is an offense that is that is cooking. They've scored 120 points in four straight games. Um, I believe, yeah, right now the Hawks are third in the league in offense for the season. 119.3 offensive rating that is uh very 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 impressive uh, oh sorry five straight games so hawks pr had this 120 points and 25 or more assists in five straight games that ties the franchise record and they've only played six games this year so uh pretty impressive stuff from this hawks team offensively and defensively just enough all you gotta do is, is do enough and they have been doing enough in this four game winning streak okay we'll have more of the individual player stuff in a second but first it worth more sponsors on today's podcast Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and snap into the action this NBA or NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Beyond the awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel, they have all the stuff you're looking for across the sports betting space. That includes point spreads and money lines, over-unders, player props, future bets, same game parlays, live betting, and much more. The FanDuel app is safe and secure. They cover the entire range of sports as well. That includes the NFL and college football, NBA, MLB, WNBA, college basketball. They have MMA and boxing and auto racing, soccer, golf, tennis. If you like it, they have it at FanDuel. And they have plenty of options as well around the Hawks. That includes the full scope of stuff in advance of Monday night's game in Oklahoma City. Um, pre-game, over-under, uh, point spread, money line, also player props, and then live betting once the game begins. And now, it's, now it's the best possible time to join up at FanDuel. This FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Check out the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network with the offer that you absolutely do not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. 
All right, we'll dive in now to the player-by-player evaluations. I did say it before, but Garrison Matthews played four minutes. Not, not a whole lot to add on that one that I haven't already said. So we'll move on to the guys who played at least 20 minutes. And all eight guys who played real minutes in this game played at least 20. Akongo played the least with 20 minutes, but he was awesome, I thought, in this game. 17 points, six rebounds, a steal, a block, eight free throw attempts. That's a very good sign. Two threes, two of three on um, two-point shots as well. Uh, only minus one, but that's not like that was not his fault by any means. I thought it was good to see him play this well against the Pelicans in particular, given their size. And I thought he was brilliant. And look, we'll come back to it in a second with Capella. But my uh, my go-to, if you're a recurring listener, you will know this. But if you're a new listener, my apologies for saying this again. Um, the Hawks have 48 good minutes of center play. And that happened again this game. There, are, I, I firmly believe this. I believe that Okongwu, if he's not the best backup center in the league, he's certainly in the top two. Uh, I think he might be the best. Uh, and he having that guy as your backup center, huge luxury. Capella was great too, but uh, they were very good up front all night long, and that's very, very helpful. Uh, Sadiq Bey, again, a red-hot start. I think he made his first four shots, and he was one of like one of nine the rest of the way, so he cooled off from the floor. I think Sadiq has been playing fairly well um, on offense. He didn't have it as a shooter in this game, but five rebounds, two assists. I recommend a piece that Kevin Chenard wrote about Sadiq at Hawks.com this week to add some some color to the way he's been playing, but I think that uh, Sadiq's been you know, giving them positive minutes. I know um, I, I make efforts to not have it be Jalen versus Sadiq because Jalen is a better, more talented player than Sadiq, a lot higher upside. But that does not mean that Bay is bad. Even as someone who is critical and has been critical of Bay's defense, that's certainly worth pointing out. I think he is still a valuable role player, and uh, that is worth keeping in mind, even if you are trying to advocate on behalf of Jalen Johnson. Uh, Bogey had a weird game. So Bogey had 10 points, uh, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, and two blocks for Bogey. But I believe he had 10 points in like the first five minutes of the second quarter, and then he didn't score the rest of the game. Uh, 4 14 from, from the floor, 2 of 10 from three. Um, I will say he's the kind of guy that can give you offense without making shots. If he's missing shots, he has to be guarded. That's very helpful. But he wasn't great offensively, but he was scrappy defensively in this game. Um, and, you know, not a whole lot else to add. But the starters were better. Like, look, there's been times this year when, it, when it's been the bench. On, in this game, it was the starters for the most part. So Hunter had the quietest um, stat game, four points, five rebounds. In 30 minutes, took three shots, which like I saw someone complain in my mentions actually about him taking only three shots. I get that. It's a little bit weird. But if you watch the game, number one, Hunter literally has a, a finger issue on his shooting hand, which could be a, could be some, some of the problem there. But I thought he contributed well. He played good defense in this game. Five rebounds is pretty solid for him. Um, he did his job on Ingram all night long, holding him to 16 points. Um, I thought that especially gutting through that, well, I'm sure it wasn't painful. Like He looked to be very much pain when he hurt his finger. Uh, I thought he played solidly despite four points. Like, it's okay. It's, it's possible to do that. And I think Hunter has been giving them a lot uh, this year and certainly more as a scorer than he has been in the past. But in this game, he gets the pass from me on offense, and uh, he should be very well. Um, Capella, 28 minutes, 17 points, seven rebounds, two blocks. I think he had at least three blocks. He might have had four blocks. I'm not sure where the credit was right down there, but I, in my notes, I think, I've had, I think I had for four blocks. Anyway, plus 19. He was eight and out from the floor. I, I know Hawks fans love that. Even off from the floor from Clint, I thought Clint's second half was like genuinely awesome. Um, it wasn't like the most gaudy numbers, but he was great defensively after halftime. And uh, you know, another reminder that he's he's pretty good. Uh, that's my operating position. But certainly, I think even the the Capella skeptics were uh, jumping on board in the second half. Like, hey, he played awesome, and he did. He was very, very, very good after halftime. Like a lot of guys were. But I thought that is uh, his was more subtle if you're not paying attention to defense a whole lot. Uh, and the other three guys. We're all just tremendous as far as like numbers were concerned. So Jalen Johnson played a career high 36 minutes in this game and earned all of them. Also tied his career best with 21 points, 
Ty Skrivets with 11 rebounds, had four assists, played good defense. Um, six of 10 on twos, two of three on threes, got to the line four times. Good defensively, I thought. Jalen just played really awesome in this game. And look, that's not like a new phenomenon. He's been really good at times all year long. But he might have had his shakier, his shakiest game in, his, in the last game they played. I thought he was not like awesome against the Wizards by any means other than the rebounding, but I think he might've had his best game tonight. So, uh, you know, obviously I said this on Twitter tonight. I, ho- I hope folks got their most player, most improved bl- uh, player bets in at FanDuel before the uh, wire came down. And if he's still available on that, I would look it up right now even probably, but um, I think he's playing well. No question about that. Starting, not starting, whatever. 36 minutes is a lot of minutes and he earned all of them, played great. Uh, and then Trey and DeJounte. So early on they struggled, but both guys settled in very nicely. DeJounte was not, was not efficient in this game. 20 points on 21 shooting possessions for DeJounte. He didn't have his jump shot going, but he, he did make uh, two actually big mid-rangers in the fourth quarter. Also had seven assists and eight rebounds. Played good defense, I thought, at, at the point of attack for the most part in this one. And then Trey finally got it going after halftime. So it's up with 22 points, 12 assists, five rebounds. He was four of eight on twos, three of seven on threes, five six from the floor. I believe he was five of seven after halftime from the field, plus the free throws. And uh, his best, sorry, his most efficient game so far this year, I think, offensively, Plus the passing, and then defensively, like, I think he's been pretty good. Like not, you know, not not pretty good like for everyone, but like especially for Trey, like he's not been an active negative defensively in most of these games. Like this is, it's been good to see him kind of buy in. He's definitely playing hard, and um, you know, aside from a slow start, like thirty nine minutes is a lot of minutes for him. But like I think he played well in this game, and uh, hopefully this is a sign of things to come because uh, he's been a slow starter in his career as far as making shots. But um, as the shots fall. Trey is a, a, a sort of a dynamic force, obviously, on offense, and he's the key to all of what they do. And look, in the fourth quarter, Trey and DeJounte were huge, and that's what you need from your guys who need to close games out. Like, they're, they're, he's, they're, they're the two leaders offensively, and they play like it down the stretch in this game. So, last thought on this one, just an awesome performance. Like, I mean, again, the first half was meh, down seven, down ten at one point, but second half was like all systems, all systems go, pretty much an A performance after halftime. They were that good especially on the road, given the, t- given the context, given this opponent that was rested, all that stuff, just an awesome, awesome half of basketball from Atlanta. And from here, Monday's game is the next one on the agenda in Oklahoma City. And then from there, they go to, they go to Mexico City. So it's a three-game road trip, and it's a weird one. New Orleans, OKC, Mexico City. So my condolences to Lauren Williams of the AJC, who has to make all these flights commercially. The team just flies city to city. Lauren's got to fly to, like, crazy locations to get there. But a weird trip, but certainly an interesting one. Um, the Thunder are three and three and they're good. Um, they did lose the last two games in narrow fashion to New Orleans and Golden State, but they're going to be rested. They have two, day, have two days off. Also their fifth straight home game on Monday. That's a little weird, but, um, so they'll be well rested, but, um, very interesting matchup. Uh, they play five out on offense. They play really a kind of an attacking style. They have Chet now to give them rim protection and shooting at three at, at, at the five spot. Um, there's some question about Shea who was all NBA last year is an awesome player. He did not play actually in their last game. Um, I think it was a knee issue of some kind. So we'll see if he is available, but um, obviously if he doesn't play, that would be taking some of the luster off that. But Trey's always up for this Trey going back home to Oklahoma city. That's a big storyline every year when he goes back there, but the Thunder are pretty good. So that's a nice test for the Hawks on Monday. And then they have uh, a, a weird trip to, to, sorry, Mexico city to Orlando on Thursday in a primetime NBA TV, um, you know, standalone spot. So we'll talk about that more later on in the week, but that's the next game on the agenda is Monday evening in Oklahoma city. We'll have full coverage of that game as we always do on the podcast. And I always encourage you to subscribe to the show. So if you're a first time listener that just found us tonight, first of all, thank you for listening, but please subscribe to the podcast 
on your audio platform of choice, whether it be Apple or Spotify, Google, uh, Overcast, etc. Also, we are on YouTube on the video side, so likes and subscriptions there, very much appreciated. Please tell your friends about the podcast. If you have a Hawks fan friend in your life that has not found the show, share it with them. That would be huge for me, so I really, really appreciate that. Five-star ratings and reviews, also encouraged. Um, I say this the last couple of shows. I, I promise I won't keep saying it every single podcast, but there's always also going to be some bonus audio content in the Lockdown Hawks audio-only feed. So your Apple's, Spotify, etc. Not on YouTube, but all, all the audio platforms. Uh, the Locked On Sports Atlanta crew has been doing postcast episodes. So they're kind of just bonus content. It's, they don't, it does not involve me, but it's going to be extra in your podcast feed. So don't panic. Listen to that show if you'd like to. Uh, I'm not involved, but it's from, from the network and it's Atlanta focused. So there you go. And uh, just be aware of that. And uh, all that said, please follow the show on Twitter slash X at Locked On Hawks. Follow me there if you'd like to as well at BT Roland. I also write about the Hawks, patreon.com slash BT Roland. And one more time, I really appreciate everybody listening to the show tonight. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and a heck of a performance from the Hawks going into your Sunday. And uh, stay tuned. We'll see you all next time.